Skies Political Podcast. I'm Aaron O'Toole, the Member of Parliament for Durham, and welcome back. We've been on hiatus for a number of months because I made the decision to run for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Blue Skies was just getting underway, and I couldn't continue it because I couldn't use my MP resources and the podcast I started for my leadership race. So once it became official, I had to put uh, Blue Skies in hibernation for a bit, but we're back and we're reinvigorated. As I said at the outset, Blue Skies reflects my political vision. I'm optimistic by nature, I'm a proud conservative, and I want to tackle issues in an informed and respectful way. Important issues to Durham, to Canada, and to a lot of the groups that I advocate for. Today we're going to be talking about defense, because in many ways the government has rhetoric that isn't matched by their actions. And this last week in Parliament, as we're wrapping up for the summer recess, that's been quite apparent. In fact, it's reminded me of a Mark Twain quote. He said, action speaks louder than words, but not nearly as often. It's easy to put a lot of words and rhetoric out there, but really you have to judge someone or a government by their actions. So what words have we heard in the last week? We've actually been inundated with motions in Parliament on the Paris Accord and other things that that were really just political and posturing based on things happening in the United States. And Minister Freeland, the Foreign Affairs Minister, gave a foreign policy speech with no consultations, no advance warning. She just stood in the House and gave it. I have a lot of respect for the Minister and there are parts of the speech I like, but it was an example of words. In fact, she started out with this question. Is Canada an essential country at this time in the life of our planet? Many of us would agree that it is, but if we assert this, we are called to explain why. And we are called to consider the specifics of what we must do as a consequence. The interesting thing is there was virtually no specifics in her speech. It went on to recount really the last century of foreign policy, diplomacy and military action by Canada, but with no specifics on where they want to go in the future. Uh, It did end with some nice anecdotes on a personal level about the minister and her grandfather, Pretty Boy Freeland from Peace River, Alberta. I love that section and her tribute to the greatest generation of Canadians who fought in in the Second World War and gave us the country we have today. And she said at the end, our job is to preserve their achievement of that greatest generation. The one disappointment I had was she gave the speech on June 6th, the anniversary of D-Day, the sort of culminating battle towards the end of the Second World War, yet she made no mention of that in the House. That was a real miss. The other major foreign and defense policy uh, word-laden speech this week was from Minister Sajan, not in the House of Commons, because he certainly didn't want to debate the new Canada defense policy, but they launched it and they've been doing PR exercises across the country. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Strong, secure, engaged. Canada's defense policy. That is what the Liberals announced this week. 87 pages and a lot of aspirational language to it. But as I said at the outset, Mark Twain said, action speaks louder than words, but not nearly as often. So in these 87 pages of words, what are the Liberals really saying their defense policy will be? I've boiled it down to five areas. First, they're going to increase spending to $32.7 billion, but not until 26-27. That's when they'll complete that ramp up. By then, it will take Canada to a 1.4% of GDP spending rate on the NATO scale. That brings us back to where we were in the Harper government just before the, the global recession hit. 
The second area, they're going to increase the size of the reg force by 3,500 and the reserve force by 1,500. Third, the Royal Canadian Navy will be getting 15 surface combatant ships. Not much detail here or timeline, but certainly they feel the Navy needs to be a priority. Fourth, a real surprise was 88 advanced fighter aircraft. Now, certainly the fighter jet has been a very much political football under the Trudeau government. I'll talk about that later. And 88 is far more than actually the Conservatives were committing to buy for our next generation fighter. Fifth, and finally, they describe a new approach to defense, and they coined the term anticipate, adapt, and act. Well, having served in the Canadian Armed Forces for 12 years, I suggest they've been doing that for probably a century, that Canadian Armed Forces always anticipate the threat environment, they adapt training, resources, and methods to meet it, and they act, but they only act when the government sends them, either domestically or internationally. So. I love the language, it's kind of how the military operates, but there's certainly nothing new in it. So there are the words, lots of the words in the last week in Parliament. But let's look back at the action. The Trudeau government has been in office for over 600 days, a year and a half, coming up on two years. What are their actions on defense? Well, their actions run totally contrary to the aspirational targets of this defense policy. First, on budgets. They've cut $12 billion from funding. $3.7 billion reprofiled in 2016 and $8.48 billion in their 2017 budget. So if it comes down to budgeting for the future of the Canadian Armed Forces, the Trudeau government has not made it a priority. They've cut. Second, let's look to estimates. How the government estimates its spending by department. That's actually how it spends. Parliament approves estimates and then the main accounts come in and tell them how much has been spent. Well, main estimates from 2017 to 18 show that $155 million was cut from defense, combat, and sport operations, meaning the Trudeau government planned to deploy the Canadian Armed Forces less. Certainly not the sort of meaty approach promised in this defense policy. Their actions have been nothing but cuts and a diminished role for the forces. And let's see what that role is. Let's look at operations of the Canadian Armed Forces. Government business number two, one of the early votes of the Trudeau government was to withdraw the CF-18 fighter aircraft from the fight against ISIS. I spoke in that debate. I was very upset by that debate because Canada was the only ally withdrawing a combat role from the fight against ISIS. All of our other nations, uh, allied nations, were stepping up you know, shortly after the attacks in Paris. So that was their second order of business was to withdraw from the fight. You also look at where they were going uh, on Operation Reassurance. That's another Canadian Armed Forces mission from the Conservative government in Latvia and Poland in support of NATO with a resurgent Russia. NATO is ramping up in those countries. We started that. They're continuing it. Op Unifier, 200 plus Canadian Armed Forces members in Ukraine supporting our allies there in light of Russian aggression in their nation. So Op Unifier almost not renewed by the Liberals, renewed at the 11th hour, another mission started by the previous government. And what did the Liberals promise in terms of operations at the beginning of their government? Well, let's look to the mandate letter of Minister Harjit Sajjan. He was mandated to, quote, work with the Minister of Foreign Affairs to renew Canada's commitment to United Nations peace operations, end quote. We all heard the 
mythological return to Pearsonian peacekeeping that the Liberals wanted to, to get Canada back to. And in fact, the minister then went on uh, exploratory missions to Africa in August and November, and a working group at DND stood up to look at a Mali mission, peacekeeping operations in Mali. We hosted a peacekeeping conference, and the minister in October of that year said, quote, when it comes to peace operation, Canada is taking a leading role, end quote. They started off this government saying they were going to do peacekeeping. They were cutting the Canadian Armed Forces. But certainly after the election of Donald Trump, the language is changing. But remember, actions speak louder than words, but not nearly as often. So let's look at those five areas that I said really made up strong, secure, and engaged Canada's defense policy. First, spending. Sure, they want to get to $32.7 billion by 2026-2027, but what have they done? And in fact, there will be virtually no new money for defense until after the next election. Remember, they've already cut $12 billion in their first two budgets. So even in their last year of office, if they start to ramp up spending, they won't even get back to the levels that they should have been at, but for their cuts. So this is, once again, a pure political document. And when it was released, I called it a fantasy novel. They're talking about grandiose spending, but they've already cut, and they won't even make up those cuts by the time the next election rolls around. So their actions don't support their words. Second, should we increase the size of the Canadian Armed Forces? I don't think so. In fact, the reserves right now are undermanned. A lot of our combat arms regiments across the country, if you look at the great work Reserves 2000 has been doing, we don't have our full complement of reserves at the already allocated strength levels. That's what we need to focus on. The reserves allowed us to perform the Afghanistan mission. 25% of the people that served in Afghanistan were reservists. So we should be focusing on meeting our commitments to the reserves. But I don't want to see increases to civilians at the Department of National Defense. And right now, while I'd like to see more special forces, more special operators, I certainly agree with that. I know CSOAR and GTF2 are tired. They're tasked a lot. But we should be, we should be finding those numbers within the Canadian Armed Forces and certainly not increasing the civilian headcount at the Department of National Defense. Budgets can be taken up by salaries and benefits, and that's not what we should be doing. We should be focusing on operations and meeting the commitment we already have. Third, the Royal Canadian Navy, I agree, has been underserved for decades. And in fact, we fought to make sure we didn't lose the ability to replenish at sea and some of the great work our oilers or tankers were doing for the Royal Canadian Navy. So the Conservative government stepped up to fix that. That's been mired in politics by the Liberals. I want to see the shipbuilding con uh, contracts finalized and back on track, both in Halifax and in Vancouver. The Conservative government was getting our Navy back on a good footing. I want to see that continue before we talk about no new surface combatant ships. I also think there's a real miss for submarines. The upholder class that we have, the Victoria class, has not fulfilled its obligations. In fact, that was a liberal debacle under Chrétien where we bartered to get used submarines. It was an embarrassment. We should have a plan to get a subsurface capability up and running over the next 10 to 20 years. 
Fourth, the 88 fighter jets. Come on now, liberals. Are you serious? The next generation fighter, you know, that's what you're talking about. The only fifth generation fighter that's available for Canada that we can fight and serve alongside our allies is the F-35. The aircraft Justin Trudeau has been going to lengths to avoid buying. They've made up a story about a capability gap to buy the Super Hornet aircraft. Now they've suggested they won't buy the Super Hornet aircraft because there's a dispute between Boeing and Bombardier. So the Liberals have been playing pure politics with the Royal Canadian Air Force, and it needs to stop. We need the F-35. We need an aircraft that's not just for 2019, 2020. We will be flying this aircraft in 2040. And we have to fly alongside the Americans and our other allies. We have to be able to patrol our north alongside those allies. We have to have a fifth generation aircraft. The F-35 is it. We've already seen industry benefit by a billion dollars. So liberals, stop the shell games. Show a quick procurement to show that the F-35 meets our needs and has a benefit. Let's get on with it. Fifth, as I said, the new approach to defense is nothing but the sort. We've always had an anticipate, adapt, and act approach. Our men and women in uniform are some of the most versatile, some of the most well-educated and well-trained military forces in the world. We're very proud of them. We have to stand behind them. Finally, a few final thoughts. Also swept in to get their numbers up, to get the 1.4% of GDP, the level they want to get to by 2027, they're actually combining new areas of spending. So they're going to start considering payments to veterans as part of defense spending. Well, that's not the way Canada has approached defense spending. Veterans has been a service-type payment. I know, I was Veterans Affairs Minister. It's not been considered defense and security spending. They're also putting in a lot of money on issues like climate change and other things for the Canadian Armed Forces that certainly aren't defense and security spending. So they're bumping up that number with another bit of shell game. They are also repackaging throughout Canada's defense policy, strong, secure, and engaged. A good portion of it is repackaged conservative initiatives, some of which I was very involved with. The work on the military family resource centers being expanded and, and engaging veterans and veterans' families, that was work we started. I'm glad to see they're continuing it, but by no means is it a new creation. Their transition group and standing up to help Canadian Armed Forces transition its members to Veterans Affairs. That was an initiative that Jason Kenney and I started working on, so once again, not new. The reopening and recommitment to Collège Militaire Royal in Saint-Jean-Québec, another conservative commitment. The Chrétien government closed CMR. We reopened it. Mental health, a lot of their commitments to mental health are conservative initiatives that they're continuing. And the real irony the tax relief for deployed international operations. You'll remember when DND changed the terms of that for the foreign engagement against ISIS. It was the conservatives that criticized the liberals for allowing that to happen, where some people weren't going to receive the same deployment benefit that previous people who had served on that mission had had. We had pushed for them to do a reality check on that, yet they're packaging in this uh, document that it's almost something they thought about. Finally, procurement. There is no fix in here for procurement, yet there's very aspirational goals with fighter aircraft, with surface combatants, with drone uh, deployments, with technology, yet they're still going to operate in the old way. 
I suggested we need a special secretariat dedicated to defense procurement. That is not public works. That is not DND. That builds up specialization, much like the Australians have done. That's where we need to go. So, was Mark Twain white right about Canada's defense policy? Actions speak louder than words, but not nearly as often. Absolutely. This is a platitude-laden document that is not met by action with the Liberal government. They have cut in their first two years in government. They have withdrawn Canadian Armed Forces from work with our allies, yet now they're aspiring to ramp up and fulfill those obligations. I can assure you that my friend James Bazan, our defense critic, and our caucus will be on them. If you have any questions or thoughts on this podcast, go to aeronotoolmp.ca and let me know what you think. Also, if you have suggested ideas, if you want me to do a podcast on the leadership, for example, let me know, send me a note, follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm going to try and be connected to you on the issues that matter to you. Thanks for tuning in to the Rebirth, the Blue Skies Political Podcast. I'm Aaron